Francisco seniors by providing hot, nutritious meals delivered to their homes. They're committed to fostering independent loving for as long as possible. For more information, please call Meals on Wheels at 415-920-1111. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio in San Francisco. In New Zealand I read a magazine, something nasty crossed my eye. The earth that fed me in California was turning cracked and dry. New Zealand ferns are always green, it rains more there than it should. I looked to the cloud that was raining on me and said, go where you can do some good. Clouds stop crying and wasting time and fly across the sky. Spread a lot of rain, sweet rain, spread a lot of rain on California. I don't want to see her die. Met a guy from San Francisco in a railway ticket line. He said the Grateful Dead was alive and well, but the weather wasn't so fine. Nobody had a garden, nothing lived but weeds. The earth looked like some kind of feverish person who'd caught a strange disease. He said the reservoirs are empty, cattle dying too. Every tongue is reaching out to sip the morning dew. And they say the fields and valleys are turning green to brown. That the farmers walk a dry and dusty mile in every farm and town. Clouds stop crying and wasting time and fly across the sky And spread a lot of rain, sweet rain, spread a lot of rain on California I don't want to see her die I stared up to the diamond stars one cashmere night Black velvet sky and a raging river was no other sound or sight. The Big Dipper hung up above the river and I felt that it was a shame. All this water here in California dry, I said to the Dipper by name. Reach down and kiss that raging river and fly across the sky. Spread a lot of rain, sweet rain, spread a lot of rain on California. I don't want to see her die People and the animals like to gather where water flows A beer, some tea, or a water hole It's there where something grows And remember the music water makes The rainy pool and the circle dance The thunder of the ocean and the waterfall The laughing creek that feeds the plants Now the fields are green again, beauty has returned. Tragedies continue to show what we still got to learn. Can't waste away the ocean, water, air, or land. If we upset this sacred ground, we won't have any place to stand. 
So reach down and kiss the raging river and fly across the sky. And spread a lot of rain, sweet rain, spread a lot of rain on California. I don't want to see her spread a lot of rain, sweet rain, spread a lot of rain on California. I don't want to see her die. Good morning to you. That was uh, Brother Charlie Morgan leading off uh, the Labor and Love Show for December the 19th. Good morning to you all. And you know, as we always remind you, you're going to have to serve somebody. Who's it gonna be? The boss or the co or the comrade? Capital or labor? Rape of the earth? Or the redemption of the earth? You gotta serve something. Thank you. 
walking on a home Living in a mansion Might live in a dome Might own guns You might even own things You might be somebody's landlord Or you might own a bank But you got to serve somebody you got to serve somebody if uh, no matter what you're doing no matter how much money you got no matter how much influence you got no matter how powerful or conceited or wonderful you think you are you got to serve somebody you got to do what's right so who are you serving every day Etta James singing Bob Dylan. Here's another Dylan song. What happens to you? Two, three, four. When you're a working class. Uh-huh. 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 
This is Michael Franti with a little subterranean homesick blues. Kick it off like this. It's hey, Johnny's in the basement, mixing up the medicine. I'm on the pavement, thinking about the government. The man in the trench coat, badge got laid off. Says he's got a bad call, wants to get it paid off. Look out, kid, it's something you did. God knows when, but you're doing it again. You better duck down the alleyway, looking for a new friend. The man in the cool skin cap is in the big man. Wants $11 bills, but you only got 10. Maggie comes fleet foot, face full of black soot, talking at the heat foot, plants in the bed, but the phone's tapped anyway. Maggie says that many say they got a bust in early May, orders from the DA. Look out, kid, no matter what you did, walking on your tiptoes, don't try no those. It better stay away from those that carry around the fire hose. Keep a clean nose, watch the plain clothes. You don't need no weatherman to know which way the wind blows. You got to get sick, get well, hang around an inkwell, ring bell, hard to tell if anything is gonna sell, try hard to get far, get back, ride rail, get jail, jump bail, join the army if you fail, look out, kid, you're gonna get hit by users, users cheaters, cheaters, six-time losers, hang around the theater, girl by the whirlpool, looking for a new food, don't follow no leaders, watch the parking watch, watch, meters. Get born, get warm, short pants, romance, learn to dance, get dressed, get yourself blessed, try to be a success, please her, please him, buy gifts, don't steal, don't live, no man, 20 years of schooling, and they put you on the day shift, look out kid, they keep it all here, better jump down a manhole, light yourself a candle, don't wear sandals, try to avoid the scandals, don't wanna be a bum, you better chew gum, the pump don't work, cause the vandal stole the handles. And that's how we and take it underground, underground to cure, cure the subterranean homesick blues. You say, oh yeah. Okay, Michael Frenti with the subterranean homesick blues. 20 years of schooling, and they put you on the day shift. This is The Bee, and you're listening to Labor and Love on Mutiny Radio. Mutiny Radio, located at 2781, 21st Street, corner of Florida, in the heart of the mission, El Mero Mero. And today we got, well, let's see what we got. We got Kurt Flood. Kurt Flood, some people say Kurt Flood was the man who freed baseball that is placed in the Hall of Fame is as important as anyone there. And then we have Paul Robeson, another upstanding man who overcame uh, tremendous obstacles in his life, became a fighter for uh, labor and for justice. And then if you want to stomp your friends sometime, I said stump, not stomp. If you want to stump your friend sometime, ask him this question. Uh, where was the last general strike in a major American city? Where was the last general strike in a major American city? I guess we'll have to uh, get on with that one. This is the show where we tell you like it is. We tell you that if one person got a dollar they didn't work for, another person got to work for a dollar they didn't get. 
This is where we tell you if you don't have a seat at the negotiating table, you're probably on the menu. And finally, never but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. And what kind of music do we play on this show? Other times. Well, here's Rosemary June. Telling you what social significance. I'm tired of moon songs, of star and of June songs. They simply make me nap. And ditties romantic drive me nearly frantic. I think they're all full of pap. History's making, nations are quaking. Why sing of stars above? For while we are waiting, Father Time's creating new things to be singing of. Sing me a song with social significance. All other tunes are taboo. I want a ditty with heat in it. Appealing with feeling and meat in it. Sing me a song with social significance, or you can sing till you're blue. Let meaning shine from every line, or I won't love you. Sing me of wars and sing me of breadlines. Tell me of front page news. Sing me of strikes and last minute headlines. Dress your observation in syncopation. Sing me a song with social significance. There's nothing else that will do. It must get hot with what is what, or I won't love you. I want a song that's satirical, putting the mirror into miracle. Rosemary June there with um, Sing Me a Song of Social Significance. All other types are taboo. Uh, that's from the musical Pins and Needles that was uh, created, written, and produced by the International Ladies Garment Workers Union in 1937, I want to say. It was revived again in the 50s and played to enthusiastic audiences. Right, let's turn right now to our labor report, our world labor report. This is from Radio Labor. 
soon as we set it up. For Rosemary June, we, we have um, played that song quite a bit. One of the people involved in that in the 50s presentation was um, Barbara Streisand. The Global Union Federation for Journalists signs an accord with Al Jazeera. Union. Let's start. Here we go. This World is Labor Solidarity Labor. News on Radio Labor. This is a Radio Labor World Report recorded on December 18th, 2015. I'm Mark Belanger. In the report this week, unions around the world use December 18th, International Migrants Day, to fight for the human rights of migrant workers and their families. The Global Union Federation for Journalists signs an accord with Al Jazeera. Unionists in Colombia continue to be imprisoned. And the Labor Start report about union events around the world. This is Radio Labor. December 18th is International Migrants Day. Since the beginning of the year, almost one million migrant men, women, and children have entered the European Union looking for security, jobs, a decent life for their families. The labor movement has been at the forefront of the campaigns on behalf of the migrants. One of its demands has been that adequate public services be provided. I talked to Nadja Salson about the migrant situation in Europe. Ms. Salson is the policy officer for national and European administration for the European Federation of Public Service Unions. EPSU represents more than 8 million workers in 265 unions. I asked Ms. Salson if EPSU was satisfied with the way European governments have addressed the influx of migrants into the region? Well, in EPSU, we've been extremely disappointed, first by the lack of response from EU governments right, you know, over the summer when the, the large numbers of refugees arrived on the shores of Europe. So there was basically there was no response actually between April and mid-September. And it's only thanks to the mobilization of civil society, trade unions, individual initiatives uh, supporting refugees. And then we had this uh, picture of a dead child from Syria that triggered some reaction at European level. But there was a resounding silence between April and the end of the summer. Over that period, we issued some statements calling upon the European governments to show solidarity with refugees, but also solidarity between, uh, between member states to find a way of sharing the responsibility for taking on more refugees across the European Union. So that just to say that what was extremely shocking was the lack of response. And then in September, we indeed had a series of council meetings with EU leaders who took some decisions on resettlement and relocation. But overall, the response is below our expectations and our demands. Some critics have suggested that given the current government austerity practices, migrants should not expect the same level of public services as people already in the country. What level of public services should they be provided? Our position basically is that asylum seekers should have access to health care, should have access to 
training. Obviously, children should have access to education. And a few years ago in Spain, in Italy, you know, one of the first measures taken by governments right in the middle of the euro crisis was to cut down on preventing asylum seekers or undocumented migrants from having access to, to healthcare. So it's already like years ago we were extremely critical of those moves. The global media network Al Jazeera has signed an accord with the International Federation of Journalists, which promises that the network will respect labor rights, including collective bargaining. Radio Labor senior correspondent Seamarie Ainsborough reports. The Global Union Federation, which represents journalists in the world, has signed an historic agreement with the global television network Al Jazeera. The International Federation of Journalists, the IFJ, represents some 600,000 journalists in 139 countries. With the accord, called the Framework Agreement, Al Jazeera promises to respect the conventions and principles of the International Labor Organization, the ILO. These include acceptance of media workers to join unions, bargain collectively, and work in safe environments. The ILO is the United Nations specialized agency which focuses on matters of work in the world. International framework agreements are being increasingly adopted by global unions and multinational corporations. They do not replace the right of national or local unions to negotiate collective agreements. They do, however, commit the employer to respect labor rights when they work with the national unions. The IFJ is particularly focused on issues related to violence against journalists. So far this year, 98 journalists and media staff have been killed on the job. Journalists working internationally are accredited by the IFJ through their national union and provided with international press cards. Journalists at Radio Labour are accredited by the IFJ. This is Seamarie Ainsborough reporting for Radio Labour. Colombia is one of the most dangerous countries in the world for labor unionists. Despite so-called free trade deals with the United States and the European Union, which promise to alleviate the plight of unionists in the country, labor rights continue to be systematically violated. Recently, labor leaders from Unison, the Union for Public Service Workers in the UK, went to Colombia to investigate the situation. I talked to Nick Crook, the head of the International Department of Unison. I asked him why his union has a particular focus on Colombia. Colombia has been identified by the ITUC, the International Trade Union Confederation, as the most dangerous country in the world to be a trade unionist, where trade unionists are regularly intimidated threatened, harassed, and also unfortunately murdered and assassinated for their trade union activities. What was the purpose of your visit to Colombia? Why did you go there? We wanted to take a delegation of of Unison members, members of our national executive, but also activists from around the country to Colombia to meet with their counterparts in the Colombian trade union movement and in the human rights movement to hear firsthand their testimonies of what's happening to them, but also as a delegation then to go and confront the Colombian government and the Colombian authorities and our own embassy, the British embassy in Colombia, with what we've heard. Now here with his report about union events around the world is Labour Start correspondent Derek Blackadder. Here's a small sample of the more than 2,200 stories our volunteers collected last week. Our top stories section included links to news about the effects Labour Start campaigns are having on union struggles in Turkey and Estonia, the unions supporting the search for an abducted teacher in Yemen, and the new push at the International Labour Organization for an end to slavery. 
We also had coverage of strikes and lockouts in dozens of countries. Here are just a few highlights. Costa Rican hospital workers walked to press demands for improved medical facilities in the National Women's Hospital. They were joined a few days later by all public sector workers in a bid to stop legislation limiting the labor rights of public sector workers. Workers at the famed Mahala textile factory complex, where the abortive Egyptian democratic revolution began, were out in a dispute over bonuses owed to them. Toll road workers in Indonesia were off the job as they pushed for a living wage. Security guards at a Rio Tinto mine in Madagascar started a wage dispute this week. Retail workers in New Zealand continued their struggle for hours of work that make it possible to have a family life. Electricity workers are striking against privatization in Pakistan. And dockers in the Philippines protested their employers' failure to recognize their union. Our top working women's stories included coverage of the ongoing struggle against sexism within tea plantation workers' unions in southern India, rallies across Australia to mark the day 46 years ago when Zelda Daprano chained herself to the front of the Commonwealth Building in Melbourne demanding equal pay for women, and increasing unemployment among Arab women farm workers in Israel. Our health and safety newswire carried stories about the deaths of three child laborers on a farm in Canada, hospital workers exposed to asbestos in the UK, and the, a week designed to raise awareness about bullying in the workplace in the United States. Currently, Labor Start is running four online campaigns. All these campaigns are requested by and sponsored by unions around the world. Join us in helping workers make their lives better or even help save those lives. This is Derek Blackadder from Labor Start, reporting for Radio Labor. You can hear extended versions of my interviews with Nadja Salson about International Migrants Day and Nick Crook about unionists in Colombia on the Radio Labor website. And that's it. International labor news you can use. I'm Mark Boulanger. Thank you for listening. And remember, it's all about global solidarity. That was our global report from uh, Radio Labor. We're going to follow that with the workers' independent news. National Nurses United. We get Aka Packer game with. Start that one over. Here we go. Workers' Independent News We Can Review. I'm Doug Cunningham. Hillary Clinton has dominated when it comes to labor union endorsements in the 2016 presidential primary. She has racked up backing from AFSCME, SEIU, the American Federation of Teachers, among others. But on Thursday, the Communications Workers of America decided to back Senator Bernie Sanders. The CWA's Candace Johnson says that CWA members prefer Sanders because he's a candidate they think will break away from politics as usual and fight for working people. When a few billionaires can control our political process, something's wrong. The whole idea of a new day, a new agenda for our politics and for our economy has really caught on and caught fire, not just among CWA members, not just among union members, but among working families across the country. Sanders is also backed by the American Postal Workers Union and National Nurses United. We can hack a Packer game with tailgates. We can hack this on as long as we have to, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
Just like deer hunting, man. That's right. <laughs> UAW Local 833 President Tim Taylor at a rally of striking Kohler workers in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. The strikers met Monday for what the union called an update on the Kohler contract. The workers voted to end their strike Wednesday. The contract they approved contained wage improvements and an improvement in the two-tier wage system, plus reduced health care costs. A new Seattle ordinance would give all taxi drivers and transportation workers, including Uber and Lyft workers, the right to organize unions and bargain collectively. Leonard Smith is director of organizing and strategic campaigns for Teamsters Local 117. It doesn't change their classification under the law. It just simply says that they have the right, if they so choose, to form a union and bargain. This is simply about people who are being treated as employees and are being mistreated as employees by working for these companies. The United Mine Workers of America are challenging an effort by Walter Energy to use bankruptcy laws to throw out the union contract, eliminating health care for retirees while also cutting jobs, wages, and other benefits. The UMWA's Daryl Dewberry says the union is also asking the court to block big bonuses being paid to Walter Energy executives. Just unheard of as to what they're trying to do and using the legal system, the court system, to cheat the pensioners, the widows, and the coal miners of what they've earned and worked for and what they're due while paying the CEO and all the upper echelon millions of dollars. The unfair labor practices case against the big box home supply store Menards is growing. OPEIU Local 153's Seth Goldstein says new information has led to an amended NLRB complaint against Menards. Goldstein says Menards is abusing a merit pay system. We're always here how wonderful merit pay is, but if you're going to limit their rights under under the law, that's like saying that if you don't discriminate, that you'd be penalized for something. I mean, it's illegal totally. Workers Independent News provided by Diversified Media Enterprises. I'm Doug Cunningham. So workers Diversified News, remember you're only alone when you don't stand up. If you don't stand up, you're standing up for sitting down. I want to talk a little about uh, Paul Robeson. Uh, we're celebrating the anniversary of his birth. Am I correct in that? An anniversary of Paul Robeson. Um, Robeson, of course, was um, an opera singer, movie star, um, All-American football player, lawyer, crusader for workers' rights, and uh, paid the price for it. I'm going to play this, this set of three songs by Paul Robeson, and then we'll talk a little about his life. As drifts through dreams, this is Sylvia to the sight, and the touch of Sylvia's hand is as light as milk we down when the meads are golden brown and the autumn fills the light. 
Sylvia just be echoing of her voice brings back to me from the depths of memory Ishtorazidi 
saw Joe here last night, alive as you and me. Says I, but Joe, you're ten years dead. I never died, says he. I never died, says he. In Salt Lake City, Joe says I, him standing by my bed. They framed you on a murder charge, says Joe, but I'm dead, says Joe, but I'm dead. The copper bosses killed you, Joe, they shot you, Joe, says I, takes more than guns to kill a man. Says Joe, I didn't die. Says Joe, I didn't die. And standing there as big as life, and smiling with his eyes, says Joe, what they can never kill went on to organize. Went on to organize from San Diego up to Maine in every mine and mill where workers strike and organize. It's there you find your hill. It's there you find. And uh, that set was uh, the great Paul Robeson. The last one we had was Joe Hill, the uh, international now uh, labor anthem, celebrating uh, one of labor's heroes, one of the IWW organizers named Joe Hill. Joe was uh, Swedish. Anyway, Robeson was born uh, in 1898. His family was as well-to-do as, uh, as uh, an African-American family could be. And um, Robeson went to Rutgers University. Three years later, let's see, when Robeson was six, his mother died in a house fire. Um, 
I moved to Westfield, New Jersey, and uh, very church-oriented at the beginning. 1912 in high school, he performed Julius Caesar, Othello, played football. He was the third African-American student ever enrolled at Rutgers and only one at the time. Um, as a sophomore amid Rutgers' sesquicentennial celebration, he was benched when the Southern team refused to take the field. He finished university with four oratorical triumphs and varsity letters in multiple sports. His play at end won him a first-team All-America selection in both his junior and senior years. Walter Kemp considered him the greatest end other. Phi Beta Kappa. This this doesn't begin to tell the story of Robeson. Let me take it up here. He he worked. Uh, he did a lot of and started appearing in plays in high school, as I've said, and during the twenties on a couple of plays by Eugene O'Neill. Emperor Jones, All God's Chillin' Got Wings. Uh, he became, his Othello was renowned. Uh, Showboat, Drury Lane, uh, Paul Robeson was an international star. During the 30s, the mid-30s, he became involved in learning languages. He studied some 20 African dialects, and he began to change into a more conscious and active uh, political figure associated with British socialists, visited the Soviet Union, all this, and... Um, sang songs in support of the Republic. He said, the artist must take sides. He must elect to fight for freedom or slavery. I have made my choice. I had no alternative. There you go again. You got to choose somebody. You got to choose freedom or you got to choose slavery. Change the words of Old Man River. Refused to sing the word nigger. Appeared in uh, Othello several times. Was blacklisted after World War II. The closest thing yet that we have, especially after the war, to an international star. Um, he was blacklisted. His... Uh, his uh, passport was lifted. Let's see if we can get some of Robeson uh, testifying here. Let's see. Anyway, a little more on Paul Robeson, but let's go on with our music here. We always have more things than we. 
and more things to talk about than we have time for. Now this one I just put in for the hell of it. This is Miss Nina Simone. Alabama's got me so upset Tennessee made me lose my rest Everybody knows about Mississippi God damn Alabama's got me so upset Lurleen Wallace has made me lose my rest Everybody knows about Mississippi God damn Can't you see it? I know you can feel it It's all in the air I can't stand the pressure much longer Say a prayer. Alabama has got me so upset, and Memphis has made me lose my rest. Everybody knows about Mississippi, God damn. Hound dogs on my trail, little school children sitting in jail. Black cat cross my path I think every day's gonna be my last Lord have mercy on this land of mine We all gonna get it in due time Cause I don't belong here, I don't belong there I've even stopped believing in prayer I've been there, so I know you keep on saying go slow. Well, that's just the trouble. Washing the windows. Picking the cotton. Nothing but rotten. Too damn lazy. Try to do my very best Stand up, be counted with all the rest Cause everybody knows about Mississippi God damn Now you heard him He's one of you If you have been moved at all And you know my songs at all For God's sakes, join me Don't sit back there the time is too late now. Good God. You know, the king is dead. The king of love is dead. I ain't about to be non-violent, honey. Oh, oh. oh no. Picket lines, school boycotts. They try to say it's a communist spot, but all I want is equality for my sister, my brother, my people, and me. And I loved him because he believed it. He lived by it. 
But you lied to me all the years You told me to wash and clean my ears And talk real fine just like a lady And you stopped calling my mama and Sadie Hear me now But my country is full of lies We all gonna die and die like flies I don't trust nobody anymore Keep on saying go slow That's just the trouble no. Desegregation no. Mass participation no. Unification To me, just give me my equality, cause everybody knows about Mississippi, everybody knows about Alabama, everybody knows about Mississippi, God damn, that's Nina Simone with uh, Mississippi Goddamn. Uh, saw a biography of Nina Simone. Excellent movie called What Happened Miss Simone from a line uh, by Maya Angelou. And uh, a tortured life. Uh, kind of... Uh, the old struggle between happiness and a personal life and fulfilling relationships on the one side and a f being a famous artist and uh, having a husband who pushed you into making more money. Uh, Nina Simone, one of those artists who really, really, really created her own path ahead of her. Her music is like nobody else's. Nina Simone. And here is, let's see, last week we had some Buffy St. Marie. Here's a, a really great Buffy song about who fights the wars. Without the soldiers, there'd be no war. and with spears He's all of 31 and he's only 17 He's been a soldier for a thousand years He's a Catholic, a Hindu, an atheist, a Jain A Buddhist and a Baptist and a Jew And he knows he shouldn't kill And he knows he always will Kill you for me, my friend, and me for you 
for France. He's fighting for the USA. And he's fighting for the Russians and he's fighting for Japan. And he thinks we'll put an end to war this way. And he's fighting for democracy. He's fighting for the Reds. He says it's for the peace of all. He's the one who must decide who's to live and who's to die. And he never sees the writing on the wall. But without him, how would Hitler have condemned him at Dachau? Without him, Caesar would have stood alone. He's the one who gives his body as a weapon of the war. And without him, all this killing had to go on. He's the universal soldier, and he really is to blame. His orders come from far away no more. They come from him and you and me. And brothers, can't you see? This is not the way we put an end to Cafeteras here, trabajador, trabajadora, thanking their parents for all the work their parents did so they could have a better life. Las cafeteras.
up, gotta fill that coffee cup Caffeinated just enough, stretch and send a prayer up For your kids and family To be safe, be strong, and be healthy And one day that they be set free But right now you got a whole house of mouths to feed Time is really running thin Can you fit a breakfast in? Lucky if you see your kids Deeper take this moment in a big thank you from uh, Las Cafeteras, a Southern California Chicano band. And before we get into the general strike in Oakland, I would like to play a little bit of Paul Robeson before the House Un-American Activities Committee. find the part where he tells them and it's none of their business uh, what his political leanings are. Did you make that when state? I first went to Russia in Did 1934 in Russia I felt for the first time 
Did you make that statement? When I first went to Russia in 1934. Did you make that statement? When I first went to Russia in did 1934. In explanation, they're asking him, did he make the statement that uh, African Americans would not want to fight in a war against Russia, fight for the United States, because of the way they were treated. In Russia, I felt for the first time like a full human being. No color prejudice like in Mississippi, no color prejudice like in Washington. It was the first time I felt like a human being, where I did not feel the pressure of color as I feel it in this committee today. Why do you not stay in Russia? because my father was a slave and my people died to build this country and I'm going to stay here and have a part of it just like you and no fascist-minded people will drive me from it. Is that clear? You are here because you are promoting the communist cause. I am here because I'm opposing the neo-fascist cause which I see arising in these committees. Jefferson could be sitting here, and Frederick Douglass could be sitting here, Eugene Debs could be sitting here. Now what prejudice are you talking about? You were graduated from Rutgers, you were graduated from the University of Pennsylvania. I remember seeing you play football at Lehigh. There was no prejudice against you. Just a moment. This is something I challenge very deeply, that the success of a few Negroes can make up for $700 a year for thousands of Negro families in the South. My father was a slave, and I have cousins who are sharecroppers. I do not see success in terms of myself. I have sacrificed hundreds of thousands of dollars for what I believe in. While you were in Moscow, Mr. Robeson, did you make a speech lauding Stalin? I can't remember. Have you recently changed what your mind about Stalin? To Stalin, gentlemen, is a question for the Soviet Union, and I won't argue with a representative of the people who, in building America, wasted the lives of my people. You are responsible, you and your forebears, for... Created using Paltoon. Well, we got a little inadvertent uh, inadvertent uh, advertisement there, but you get the idea. This was Paul Robeson before the House Committee on Un-American Activities in 1956. Uh, he had basically been prevented from doing his work. He was a singer, gave uh, concerts all over the world. Definitely... Uh, a friend of labor, definitely a booster of the USSR. This is one criticism people have of him, that uh, he didn't come out against the repressive regime in, in the Soviet Union at the time. Paul Robeson. All right, we're going to talk now about the last strike, the last general strike in a major American city. And it took place, believe it or not, in Oakland, California. This is a segment from Golden Lands Working Hands, Fred Glass's groundbreaking documentary, six-hour documentary of, gee, is it six hours? I have to look that up. Several hours of the California labor movement. This is called, we called it a work holiday. They had ever been. Their size hides a potential weakness. Many newcomers don't know how their brothers and sisters... Let's start this out again. Here we go. Although California unions emerged from their war years bigger than they had ever been, 
their size hides a potential weakness. Many newcomers don't know how their brothers and sisters won their rights and paychecks through the hard battles of the pre-war years. But most labor leaders have added responsibilities and worries. Teaching new workers about unionism takes time that's hard to find. This soon becomes a problem. With the wartime emergency over, many employers want to bring back the good old days of the anti-union open shop. It was after the war, and uh, I think we needed to get our share. Industry had sure made theirs during the war, and we were all uh, you had uh, wage and price controls, so uh, most of us we were locked into uh, into wages. Wages have to be frozen, Joe. The workers are making too much money for their own good, and prices have risen very much. In response to the boss's anti-labor offensive, working people launched the greatest wave of strikes in the United States history. Across the country, millions of workers walk picket lines shutting down entire industries. Many are World War II veterans, disturbed at their poor treatment after fighting for their country. In Hollywood, Thousands of craft workers organized in the left-wing conference of studio unions, led by set painter Herb Sorrell, battled the studio bosses, the police, and another union. Roy Brewer, a leader of the International Association of Theatrical and Stage Employees, brings strikebreakers across the picket lines. He hopes his members will keep these jobs. Brewer claims his opponent Sorrell is a communist and skillfully develops this idea into a publicity strategy for the studios. In an atmosphere of growing anti-communist hysteria, Brewer's tactic works well. The conference of studio unions is soon broken up. Many of its members lose their jobs or have to switch unions to keep working. Along with prominent actors, writers, and directors, Sorrell is investigated and blacklisted. He never works in Hollywood again. Despite his troubles, Sorrell takes the time to send a message of support northward to AFL brothers and sisters involved in another struggle. In Oakland, California, a general strike tied up the entire area. Bus and train service ceased to exist in a dispute characterized by Dave Beck, Teamster leader in the far west area, as a lot of foolishness and more like a revolution than an industrial dispute. Meanwhile, the lives of nearly three-quarters of a million people had been affected. Hold on. Did you understand what you just saw? I didn't. The perspective of the newsreel seems to be that these Oakland workers were doing something senseless. Using the same film footage, perhaps we could imagine another perspective. Something like this. Owners of Kahn's and Hastings department stores refused to recognize a union favored by their employees. Hundreds of clerks went out on strike. Police beat up picketers and helped the Retail Merchants Association bring goods across picket lines. Outraged Oakland unionists called a general strike. 
For two days, Oakland stood still until owners and the city agreed to negotiate with workers' representatives. Okay, we've heard two different sets of facts. The newsreel selected some, we selected others. But each version of the story is missing something. Perhaps the striking workers themselves should be heard from. I was working in the shoe department, and I was making, uh, I believe, uh, $28 a week at that time, and, uh, you know, just getting out of the service. The only problem was that when I found, after talking to other people, and in specialty stores such as Peter Brothers and, and Cushions, uh, they were making $10 or better a week, better than I was. And I went to the union and uh, asked why they didn't organize the store. These people came on back, and I mean, the, you know, my uh, brother Americans uh, and, and also the gals that came back from the war, and, and when they held out their hand for just a little piece of pie, the answer was no. One employer whose voice says no the loudest is Joseph Noland, publisher of the Oakland Tribune and longtime spokesman for conservative business interests. His newspaper labels moderate unionists extreme elements and warns of an impending communist takeover of Oakland. Nolan dominated the uh, politics in Oakland, and he had the, the Tribune, which was his voice. And uh, everyone felt that all the decisions for the city were made at the Tribune Tower, not at City Hall. Very, very conservative, mm -hmm. very anti-union. His paper was something that we got every day to read and then got mad about. <laughs> Along with Nolan, another major anti-union force in Oakland is the Retail Merchants Association. It demands that the retail clerks union organize all 28 stores in the association before it will recognize the union at Cannes and Hastings. What precipitated the strike was the firing of one of the people who had joined the union. One of the ladies um, who had joined and signed up with the union was fired. Originally, we had somewhere in the area between 70 and 80 percent of the workers came out. And I would say the same thing applied at Hastings. The women were fantastic as far as uh, holding up and in their sense of humor and, and, uh, and being on the picket line, I'd set the schedules up and they'd be there, rain or shine. Well, it was like any picket line. Everybody walked up and down, carried signs and, and yelled, don't be a scab. <laughs> it was pretty effective. They were keeping most of the people out. People would come, see what was going on, and then turn away. But some went through. And tempers would flare. Uh, but I think that the, the tempers that flared were not the pickets, but the people going through the line knowing in their own heart, very probably, that they were doing the wrong thing. Despite a mostly peaceful picket line, feelings sometimes run high. Picket Captain Gwendolyn Byfield calls a strikebreaker scab and rat. She is arrested, but charges are dropped. After weeks go by without a settlement, the Retail Merchants Association and their friends in the Nolan political machine decide to take a different approach. We went back over to Picket Line. By the time I got back over there, like, like the uh, cops were are pushing our people off the street and uh, towing the automobiles away. They beat us all out of the alleys, uh, pushed us with those damn billy clubs. I was black and blue here for months. The trucks followed right behind them, went on in and unloaded. Then they went back to get more. It wasn't bringing in strike breakers necessarily that started the general strike. You know, I thought about that a lot since that we'd seen strike breakers. But the thing was, using the police force that we were paying taxes for to beat us off our own streets. By morning, everybody had heard about what had happened, 
it was in the papers and the unions had heard. Everybody was very upset and we all just went out on the streets. There was a club down there called Slim Jenkins. We were working there four nights a week when we got the call from Alex Forbes, who was our secretary business agent, that there was a general strike and that if he had any musicians working in Oakland that they were to immediately leave their jobs, and which we did. We didn't go to work that weekend. <laughs> Al Brown was the head of the Carmen's local at that time. The streetcars were still laying on Broadway. And he came down Broadway in a streetcar. And the police were out there, and they had Broadway blocked off. And he came up to the blockade, and the, uh, the cops said, it's all right, you can take your streetcar through. And he said, well, what's the deal? They told him what they were doing, and he said, well, no, and I've never crossed a picket line in my life, and I'm not about to now. So he climbed out, he took the controls out of the streetcar, climbed out of the streetcar, and that was it. That was the spark that started the whole thing at that particular time, because every streetcar backed up behind him. They couldn't move his streetcar. He told the buses to stop, and uh, they had an uh, emergency meeting, and uh, for three days, just about, nothing turned in Alameda County. They didn't call it ever strike, we called it a work holiday. <laughs> Sailors Union leader Harry Lunderberg delivers a fiery address to an overflow crowd at Oakland Auditorium. Strike leader Bob Ash thinks that if he had asked the assembly to march to City Hall, they'd have taken the place apart. The biggest fear that we had during the general strike was we didn't want it to get out of hand. We wanted a peaceful demonstration, as peaceful as it could be. And really it was when you stop and think that there was only the one incident of the typewriter being thrown through the window at Hastings. Outside of that, nothing really happened. We might ask one more question. How could a union leader, Teamster National Vice President Dave Beck, say the general strike was... A lot of foolishness, and more like a revolution than an industrial dispute. The general strike committee, led by Bob Ash, brings the general strike to a hasty end when Beck orders Teamster members, who'd been solidly supportive of the strike, to go back to work. Dave Beck, who are you talking about? You're talking about a man that made millions, went to prison and everything else. He never really represented this union the way it should be represented. The CIO notified us that if it went past Thursday, that they'd shut off lights and power. And I wanted to continue one more day and shut off the lights and power. Then we'd have the whole ball of wax. But the AFL leadership was worried that intervention by militant CIO unions, representing 30,000 workers in Alameda County in utilities and heavy industry, would invite a negative public perception, since a number of communists and their sympathizers were prominent in the Northern California CIO Council. I think the old CIO, Congress of Industrial Organizations, uh, had a little bit of a, a bad take to it at that time. J. Edgar Hoover and a few others were witch hunting them and, and uh, working on the communist tactics and the rest of it. And we tried to keep them away from the picket line as much as possible so that we wouldn't have that sort of thing happening to us. Instead, 
The AFL Strike Committee accepts a verbal commitment from the city manager that Oakland police would no longer assist strike breaking. They end the general strike Thursday morning after 54 hours. The settlement leaves the retail clerk strike unresolved, which irritates many of their supporters, including Elizabeth Mackin. She writes a letter to Kahn's department store. It is against my principles to go through a picket line. I wish you to close out my account until you have a happier relationship with those who work for you. Despite the obvious depth of community support for the clerks, Kahn's and Hastings still refuse to recognize the union. Worse, the day after the general strike ends, Police bring scabs to retail clerks' picket lines. Feeling betrayed, labor leaders threaten another general strike. Wait, Joe! There's a better way! Recognizing the need for unity against the Nolan forces, the AFL, the CIO, the NAACP, and other progressive community groups form the Oakland Voters League. We had put together all the precinct maps and had these lists of people. We divided the precincts up into areas of 10 precincts. I was given a map of the precincts. I was given a list of names. I didn't know where they came from and said, go find people to cover the precincts. It was a very interesting experience. This was in uh, West Oakland, an area of mixed black and white. Building a bridge between the labor movement and minority communities the OVL runs five candidates in the spring 1947 city council election. It all went off amazingly smoothly and was a wonderful victory when we won four out of the five candidates. Although this leaves the Oakland Voters League one seat short of a majority on the nine-member council, Labor's victory cracks the anti-union Nolan machine for the first time in decades. Oakland's working people have a political voice and can no longer be ignored. One result is that the week after the election, the Retail Merchants Association recognizes the Retail Clerks Union in all of its stores. Whoever won before in Oakland? Be sure by the general strike, if you hang together, you can take anybody on. It was a, a unique experience in my life to be involved in anything with such masses of people. I was really proud of the union members that came out. It, it convinced me more than ever that the union, union was the way to go for working people. When you say, what did it do for people, I think it, it, it gave them a greater sense of power. But not all California working people share in that sense of power. In 1948, Hollywood unions make this film, Poverty in the Valley of Plenty. It is meant to educate the public about the plight of hundreds of striking farm workers at the DiGiorgio Fruit Corporation ranch near Bakersfield. The corporation had kept the workers segregated by race in its eating and sleeping facilities. The National Farm Labor Union, Local 218, AFL, led by Ernesto Galarza and Jimmy Price, had a different idea to bring all the farm workers together for union recognition and a 10 cent an hour wage increase. We haven't a chance as individuals, but an organization will have strength. How many of you are with me? One new member at a nearby farm is a young Chicano farm worker receiving his first union card. Fanning out across the state, the farm workers gain wide support. 
Car caravans organized by the San Francisco and Los Angeles Labor Councils bring donated food and clothing. Most of the workers have to find other employment within a few months. For two years, though, a core group of workers keeps the strike going with the help of the California Labor Federation and friends in the community. But the other side is organized, too. Somebody shot into the local meeting at Arvin, uh, hit Jimmy Price. He went down severely injured, although not killed. And no one was ever apprehended in that situation. And, and of course, our people uh, didn't feel very good about the sheriff and the, and, the, and the law enforcement process. Although Price survives, the strike does not. The Giorgio's trucks are used to break picket lines, to bring in scabs and strike breakers. Oddly enough, this film, Poverty in the Valley of Plenty, ends matters. The DiGiorgio Corporation sues Local 218 for $2 million for libel. The union has no money to contest the case. It signs a settlement out of court agreeing that the film is libelous, that it will pay DiGiorgio $1 in damages, recall all copies of the film, and end the strike. The longest farm labor strike in American history is over. But while the farm workers lose this round, the seeds have been planted for later success. Communism in reality. Not only were the employers, but some of the unions, for the plumbers union. Okay, as I said, that was um, Fred Glass's uh, excellent, excellent history of the uh, California labor movement. That was chapter seven. We called it a work holiday, so we heard about not only the uh, general strike in Oakland, but the, the Giorgio strike and the general sort of feel after World War II. Um, companies hurrying with the help of governments to put workers back in their place, so to speak. Golden Lands Working Hands. Uh, let's see how much, 43, 71, 88, 96. Hundred and sixty-three minutes, so almost three hours of uh, archived film, things that you probably wouldn't he wouldn't hear or see, especially organized in such a way to tell and teach about labor history in the state of California. Golden Lands Working Hands. Get a copy, show it to your class, show it to yourself, show it to your friends. Golden Lands Working Hands, cft.org. Kurt Flood, uh, December of 1969, a ball player named Kurt Flood, one of the very best ball players of his time, was traded. Now, if you privy to the baseball world, that's something people always say. That he was traded without thinking of the, the uh, ramifications of that word. Uh, 
in those days, a team had absolute control over a player's labor. Player could be traded, could be suspended, uh, could be sued so he couldn't play. Um, the owners were all powerful because of a thing called the reserve clause. And the reserve clause was a statement in every player's contract that his labor belonged to the team for that year in perpetuity. So in other words, you were signing a series of one-year contracts at the uh, behest of the owner. And uh, in Kurt Flood's case, well, well, let's listen. He was traded to Philadelphia, didn't want to go to Philadelphia. Kurt Flood. cities burning. Assassin's bullets had again changed the course of history. The opening day of the 1968 season was postponed after Martin Luther King was assassinated. Baseball seemed irrelevant. you really have to understand who that person, who that Kurt Flood was. I'm a child of the 60s, a man of the 60s. During that period of time, uh, this country was coming apart at the seams. We were in Southeast Asia. Uh, men were, good men were dying for America and for the Constitution in the so southern part of the United States. We were marching for civil rights, and Dr. King had been assassinated, and we lost the Kennedys. And to think that merely because I was a professional baseball player, I could ignore what was going on outside the walls of Bush Stadium is truly hypocrisy. And now I find that all of those rights that these great Americans were, were dying for I didn't have in my own profession. In October of 1969, veteran center fielder Kurt Flood of the St. Louis Cardinals got word that he was to be traded to Philadelphia. The Phillies were a second division team known for their hostility toward black players. 
and Flood did not wish to move his family or to leave his business interests behind. I often wondered, what would I do if, if I were ever traded? Because it, it happened many, many times, it, and it was, in quote, part of the game. And then suddenly it happened to me. I was leaving probably one of the greatest organizations in the world to, at that time, was probably the least liked. And by God, I, this is America, and I'm a human being. I'm not a piece of property. I'm not a consignment of goods. Flood did not report to the Phillies training camp. I am a man, he told baseball commissioner Bowie Kuhn. Dear Mr. Kuhn, after 12 years in the major leagues, I do not feel that I am a piece of property to be bought and sold irrespective of my wishes. I believe that any system which produces that result violates my basic rights as a citizen and is inconsistent with the laws of the United States. It is my desire to play baseball in 1970, and I am capable of playing. I have received a contract from the Philadelphia club, but I believe I have the right to consider offers from other clubs before making any decisions. I therefore request that you make known to all major league clubs my feelings in this matter and advise them of my availability for the 1970 season. Sincerely, Kurt Flood. The commissioner refused to exempt him from the reserve clause. Flood refused to play and vowed to take his case all the way to the Supreme Court. The century-old struggle between the owners and the players was approaching a climax. So Kurt Flood did indeed take his case to uh, the Supreme Court and to the Congress. And in both situations, those uh, institutions caved. Uh, granting or continuing basically was a, what what was a monopoly, denying the fact that baseball was an interstate, involved interstate commerce, which it obviously does. So Flood lost his case. No one came forward to testify for him, none of the great players of the time, but Jackie Robinson did. Robinson was almost blind, and he talked about that the owners needed to treat the players like men because that's what they were. And what a courageous thing Flood was doing. Well, baseball totally locked down. Nobody came to testify in his behalf, even though he was speaking for the great majority of ball players. Eventually, yes, the case reached the Supreme Court, flood lost, but it had begun an advertising, uh, an organizing, with an organizing campaign by a man named Marvin Miller, who was the president of the Baseball Players Association. 
and eventually the reserve clause was broken. A couple of players agreed to sit out a whole year, so to use up the one year, the reserve clause, and they were declared free agents. So baseball won, even though some people were saying this will be the end of baseball and <laughs> um, it wasn't. Baseball is now far more popular, far more affluent than it ever, ever was under the old system. Players are earning uh, 10, 20, 30 times what they used to earn. Because after all, it's the players that people come out to see. People don't come out to see Peter McGowan or or Larry Bear, you know, in their business suits talking to people. They come to see ball players play. So Kurt Flood, a big moment uh, in the whole struggle for freedom. This is Labor and Love. We're coming up on the 12 o'clock hour where you'll be treated to flat black plastic with Scott Walker. And uh, today we've basically uh, concentrated on three things. Paul Robeson, the great singer. Someone told me that Robeson's anniversary of his birthday was today, which it which it isn't. But uh, what a figure, what a giant, what a, what a man whose life and struggle need to be uh, honored and remembered. And then we talked about Kurt Flood and his challenge of the uh, reserve clause. And finally, we discussed the last general strike in a major American city, the 1946 Oakland General Strike. See what we got here. Killer Mike, who's a Bernie Sanders big supporter, has one about Reagan. Here we go with Reagan by Killer Mike. to terrorist demands, that no concessions policy remains in force, in spite of the wildly speculative and false stories about arms for hostages and alleged ransom payments, we did not, repeat, did not trade weapons or anything else. 
for hostages. The bullet of the bullet, some freedom or some bullshit. Will we ever do it bigger? Just keep settling for little shit. We brag on having bread, but none of us are bakers. We all talk having greens, but none of us own acres. If none of us own acres and none of us grow wheat, then who will feed our people when our people need to eat? So it seems our people starve from lack of understanding. Cause all we seem to give them is some balling and some dancing. And some talking about our car and imaginary mansions. We should be indicted for bullshit we inciting. Children deaf and pretending it's exciting. We are advertisements for agony and pain. We exploit the youth, we tell them to join the gang. We tell them dope stories, introduce them to the gang. Just like Oliver North introduced us to cocaine. In the 80s when them bricks came on military plane. A few months ago I told the American people I did not trade arms for hostages. My heart and my best intentions still tell me that's true, but the facts and the evidence tell me it is not. The end of the Reagan era, I'm like Lemma 12 old enough to understand the shit that changed forever. They declared a war on drugs, like a war on terror, but what it really did was let the police terrorize whoever. But mostly black boys, but they would call us niggas, and lay us on our belly while they fingers on their triggers. They boots was on our head, they dogs was on our crotches, and they would beat us up if we had diamonds on our watches, and they would Take our drugs and monies as they pick our pockets. I guess that that's the privilege of policing for some profits. But thanks to Reaganomics, prison turned to profits. Cause free labor's the cornerstone of US economics. Cause slavery was abolished unless you are in prison. You think I am bullshitting, then read the 13th Amendment. Involuntary servitude and slavery, it prohibits. That's why they giving drug offenders time in double digits. Ronald Reagan was an actor, not at all a factor. Just an employee of the country's real masters. Just like the Bushes, Clinton and Obama, just another talking head telling lies on teleprompters. If you don't believe the spirit, then argue with this logic. Why did Reagan and Obama both go after Gaddafi? We invading sovereign soil, going after oil. Taking countries is a hobby, paid for by the whole lobby. Same as in Iraq and Afghanistan. And I'm a dinner jar, say they coming for Iran. They only love the rich and how they love the poor. If I say any more, they might be at my door. Who the fuck is that? Staring in my window. Doing that surveillance on Mr. Michael Rinder. I'm dropping off the grid before they pump the lid. I leave you with four words. I'm glad Reagan did. want to note that uh, in Baltimore, this is on the democracy now, in Baltimore a mistrial has been declared in the case of a police officer charged in the death of Freddie Gray. You'll remember 
We have so many of these cases to remember now. It's getting more difficult to sort them out. This was a young man who was uh, thrown in the back of a police wagon and they would accelerate and brake, accelerate and brake so the uh, prisoners in the back of the truck would be thrown around. In this case, the young man's voice box was crushed and his spine was 80% severed at his neck. Six officers were charged in Freddie Gray's death. Officer William Porter, the first of them, was charged with involuntary manslaughter, second-degree assault, reckless endangerment, and misconduct. On Wednesday, a judge declared a mistrial after jurors were unable to reach a verdict. And so it goes. Not only uh, do we have these cases coming up, but somehow our legal system is unable to carry justice to its end. In this case, justice would be if those police were severely punished with jail time for their part in the what amounts to the murder of this young man. And uh, it's happening more and well, we don't even have to go into that. Today in labor history, Today in labor history, December 19th, 1907, an explosion in the Dar Mine in Westmoreland County, Pennsylvania, kills 239 coal workers. December 16th, 1951, 32 of the city's 34 bagel bakeries remain closed in a dispute between members of Local 338 of the Bagel Bakers of America and the Bagel Bakers Association. The union later settled its dispute over health and welfare payments and workplace sanitation. Today in labor history, a protest by 500 women in Kansas in 1921 organized in support of striking mine workers and against new anti-labor legislation that forced unions into arbitration and outlawed strikes in the state. A year later, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled the Kansas City anti-labor laws unconstitutional. This is the B, and this is Labor and Love signing off we're uh, reminding you that if one person gets a dollar they didn't work for another person worked for a dollar they didn't get we remind you that if you don't have a seat at the negotiating table you're probably on the menu and finally, never but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. Call-outs to my uh, soulmate, Sylvia Ramirez, my daughter, Vita, who makes me proud to be a dad, and all the rest, starting from Solina, Nepo, Cynthia, 
Malin, Sunni, Kiki, everybody, etc. Vida, a call out to all of you. Join us next week, the day after Christmas, for another version, another edition of Labor and Love. See you soon. insomnia, anxiety, stress, chronic brain, depression, nausea, and can induce euphoria and stimulate appetite. I'm going to guess waffles. <laughs> that is incorrect. <laughs> Actually, Alex, the food I'm talking about are cannabis-based medicinal extracts. Cannabis-based medicinal extracts? That sounds like you're smoking drugs, Ed. No, baby. There are smokeless, safe, and less expensive alternative to smoking. But can I use it to sleep? Yes, baby! Good, because I'm so excited by this that I may never sleep again! And it sounds like you, Alex, may want to check out the number 4altacalifornia.com. That's 4altacalifornia.com for a non-addictive, pharmaceutical-free alternative to smoking medical marijuana. Check them out today at number 4altacalifornia.com. Join us every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. for Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse here on Mutiny Radio. I'm your host, Pam Benjamin, bringing you the best of San Francisco's underground comedy scene here every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. It's only $2. You can bring your own beer. 
Japan, listen to comedy here every Friday, 8 to 10 p.m., 21st in Florida. It's mutinyradio.fm. The House of Pride radio show, LGBT radio for everyone. Funky interviews, funky beats, talking drag queens, and much, much more. It's LGBT radio for everyone. Listen live every Wednesday, 6 to 8 p.m. House of Pride Radio, LGBT radio for everyone. Celebrating the considerable contributions of the LGBT community in San Francisco and beyond. Every Wednesday, 6 to 8 p.m. Listen here for hot new local beats by LGBT artists and listen to live interviews. Tune in. Turn on every Wednesday, 6 to 8 p.m., House of Pride Radio with drag queen personalities, Tweeka Turner and Pearl T. Are you sick of reading the news? Do you even bother to read the news anymore? Do you need someone to read it to you because it's just so disgusting and depressing? If so, then the Weekly Review is the show for you. Join Roman Reimer as Roman reads the news, whether it be LGBTQ issues, cannabis legalization, prison abolition, police brutality, or many other issues that sometimes the media just doesn't feel the need to cover. Listen in, Fridays at noon, Mutiny Radio. Roman's also joined by activists, community organizers, artists, and many other great folks working to make the world a better place. Have no fear, the news is here. And if you feel like yelling about it, well then Roman will be yelling with you. The Weekly Review, Fridays at noon on Mutiny Radio. Hello comrades. This is your comrade, Zach Wiseman, host of government-sponsored program, Communist Folding Chairs, mandated by the Kremlin to occur every Monday, 2 to 4 p.m., broadcast by our comrades at mutinyradio.fm. Sit, relax, listen to my comrades in stand-up comedy march honorably through their cold balance sets, and other comrades make fun of them. Because in Mother Russia, if you can't laugh about starving for turnip and beet, and attention, you are a capitalist pig, and the KB, KGB will visit you shortly. Every Monday, 2 to 4 p.m. Miren, miren! It's a pájaro. It's an avion. No! It's a chipmunk! Looking to invest in the future of your community? MutinyRadio.fm and the Boys and Girls Club Mission Clubhouse needs your help. Please donate to keep the Radio Clash you listen to right now alive on the air every Thursday from 4.50 to 5.50 p.m. Donations are tax deductible. Donate online at www.mutinyradio.fm or just stop by the station at 21st Street and Florida. That's 2781 21st Street and throw some cash in the big glass jar. 
Stop by to experience live audience friendly shows every day of the week and know that you're supporting the future of the mission by keeping free speech alive for all ages. This PSA is brought to you by your friends and community partners at muniradio.fm. Hi, I'm Chuck Weiss. If you're an old baby boomer like me, pain is probably something you've learned to live with by now. Yes, there are drugs on the market that help, but they come with side effects and shouldn't be used for extended periods of time. But fortunately, there is an effective natural pain reliever available in this state, medical cannabis. Let me tell you about Alta California Botanicals. They're a manufacturer of fine cannabis tinctures. Now you can take your medication in liquid form, much more discreet than pulling out a pipe and lighting up. Alta California Botanicals offers five different formulations, each one addressing a specific medical concern. There are two that are designed for pain, one to be swallowed, of course, and a new one for external use only. I'm going to have to try that one myself on my arthritic fingers. There's a tincture for stress and one for anxiety. They'll certainly keep you mellow. And there's even one for people who suffer from MS. The cannabis tinctures from Alta California Botanicals come in one half ounce bottles. Each batch is laboratory tested and certified free of pesticides and mold. In other words, completely natural and unadulterated. Alta California Botanicals doesn't sell directly to the public, of course, but if you visit their website at Alta, A-L-T-A, CaliforniaBotanicals.com and enter your zip code, they'll give you a list of dispensaries near you that keep their tinctures in stock. Now here's a tip for the holiday season. Keep a couple of extra bottles of the stress formula handy. It'll help maintain your cool amongst all that shopping madness. I'm Chuck Weiss for AltaCaliforniaBotanicals.com. Do you have a great idea for a product or service but don't know where to start? Are you looking to expand your current business? Women's Initiative of San Francisco began its business management training program for low-income, high-potential women in 1988. To attend a free orientation on how you can achieve your dream of starting your own business, or for more information, please contact 415-641-3460 or visit womensinitiative.org. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio. Planned Parenthood is a trusted healthcare provider, an informed educator, a passionate advocate, and a global partner helping similar organizations around the world. Planned Parenthood delivers vital reproductive health care, sex education, and information to millions of women, men, and young people worldwide. For nearly 100 years, Planned Parenthood has promoted a common-sense approach to women's health and well-being based on respect for each individual's rights to make informed, independent decisions about health. This is Flat Black Plastic on MutinyRadio.fm. Hope you're all going to uh, join me down at the Longhorn Ballroom later. They said no one could be more bizarre than Alice Cooper or more destructive than Kim. 